You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in literally just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, which is great because there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to help you get closer to the action for a great value. I used SeatGeek myself last basketball season here in Dallas to get tickets to go see Yogi Ferrell play, and I used them this offseason to buy my wife concert tickets so I can vouch for them from personal experience. They are my go-to app when I need tickets. SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and they can do the same for you. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of The Assembly Call. Tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers showed a resounding 80-35 to victory over Montana State. And tonight, uh, we're going to talk through everything that happened and how, uh, how things ended up that way and what, what was a game that uh, was a blowout uh, really pretty much, from, pretty much from the opening tip as IU got off to a really hot start offensively. Uh, and really played well defensively throughout. And so it was a, a good tune-up for the Marquette game. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, filling in for Jared Morris tonight. And I'm here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. So let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Who's Your Proud banner moment. And for me, there was a stretch in the kind of mid to late part of the first half where uh, you'd gotten out to a good start. Things had gotten really to be a little bit of a slog. I think at the under eight timeout, it was 26 to 13. Juwan Morgan added a free throw to make it 27 to 13. And that started a really strong stretch of play uh, for Justin Smith. He had an assist on what was Romeo Langford's first three-pointer as a Hoosier. He had another great entry pass to Juwan that he ended up scoring on, and uh, Montana State got called for goaltending. Uh, then Justin got a tip in off of a Devontae Green miss. And then he and Juwan worked a really nice give and go uh, where he made a basket. And then uh, and then I think he made a free you know, he made a free throw somewhere along there. So in what was a, a really strong run, I think he scored or assisted on uh, nine points of a 10-0 run or something to that effect. And, uh, you know, it was just a really strong stretch of play for him, uh, a really good game for him overall. And, you know, as we look at this team, I think we're, you know, as confident as, uh, as we'd been heading into the season of what 
kinds of contributions you can expect out of guys like Jawan Morgan and Romeo Lankford. Um, but the thing that can often, you know, separate a great team from a good team is the emergence of a, a third reliable guy. And I thought that tonight, uh, Justin played that role really well, ended up with 13 points on six of eight shooting, uh, had a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, just, you know, again, was able to do well, get out in transition. And he did all that in 17 minutes. So uh, I thought a really strong performance for him, his best of the season so far. Uh, and if IU, you know, hopes to hang a banner this year uh, or even in the next couple of years as Justin is still around, I think continued play uh, from him that uh, that is like what we saw tonight will go a long way toward getting them there. So uh, he he definitely earned, thanks to that stretch and a, and a good stretch at the beginning of the second half, uh, the Hoosier Proud banner moment for me. And so tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you, as always, by Hoosier Proud and now their new brand, Home Field. As longtime listeners of the Assembly Call know, Hoosier Proud has long been the best place to find Indiana-themed apparel that is made by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And back in August, our friends at Hoosier Proud took that expertise and created Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand that tells unique stories about a growing list of schools, including Indiana, Butler, and a host of smaller schools that are hard to find unique apparel for. And their Indiana apparel is definitely unique. You'll find designs there that you can't find anywhere else. The website address, so you can check it out for yourself, is homefieldapparel.com. This week, as the weather starts to drop, check out Homefield's Tri-Blend Fleece IU Hoodies and Crewnecks, which feature some incredible vintage designs from IU's storied history, designs you may never have seen before. And back at their original website, hoosierproud.com, you will still find the best state of Indiana-themed apparel, plus our official assembly call logo t-shirts, all while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. So interview, the two URLs are homefieldapparel.com for IU gear and hoosierproud.com for everything else Indiana, including the assembly call shirts. And as always, use the promo code assembly at checkout at either site to get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code assembly at homefieldapparel.com and hoosierproud.com. Okay, time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts on the rest of our team, which tonight is one man, and it is uh, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. So that makes it Tonsoni time. And coach, uh, what was on your mind after watching uh, this IU 45-point victory tonight? Well, you know, it was a solid performance, uh, especially on the defensive end, and and that's good to see. Uh, We always got to temper these first few games uh, against the opponents, but this opponent was better than Chicago State. And I thought it was a, a better defensive effort. I, I believe if the the Indiana stats are right, a points per possession held 0.493 uh, wow. in college basketball. That that's a that's an incredible effort. And I thought the defense uh, to start the game was a little bit shaky. Uh, they got 12 points, a, a little bit easy, but a couple of those were some some shots uh, that were contested. So I thought that's nice. And and Andy, what I like is. From a coaching perspective, there's a lot of things to, to pick apart in the film session defensively and offensively, whether it be team concepts, individual play, and yet you're winning games 80 to 35, and that's a change. That, that's a throwback to the way Indiana used to dominate uh, games. It's not um, an Eastern Washington to bring back a bad memory or, or some, some of those uh, types of games, or at least – you know, breaking late, the last 10 minutes breaking away against, it was a, it was a, Indiana's a good team, uh, but they have a lot of things yet to fix, uh, especially going into uh, next Wednesday's basketball game. 
Yeah, I agree. We'll uh, we'll definitely touch on some of those things. I think we'll spend a little bit of time looking ahead to Marquette for sure uh, after we uh, after we recap this one. So, again, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni breaking down IU's 80 to 35 victory over Montana State. And a couple of the big things here, you know, those who think that Juwan Morgan uh, may listen to the show, I guess tonight's performance. Uh, I have no reason to believe that he does. But if you wanted a reason to believe that he does, tonight's performance might be one. Uh, I know Jared, uh, after the uh, after the Chicago State game, had talked about you know Juwan's performance just seeming a little bit odd. Uh, I shared some of those thoughts, so I don't want to I don't want to push this all on him. But Juwan uh, certainly responded tonight. Six of six from the floor, ended up with 14 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. Uh, was really active to start the game at the beginning of both halves. Uh, particularly the second half as IU really, you know, just built upon their lead. He didn't take a shot in the second half, but still ended up with four rebounds and three assists uh, in the second half and just thought was really active, got back to more uh, of the things that we've we've come to expect from him, not just from a double-double perspective, but um, just activity level and, and doing all the little things. And so I thought his performance uh, was really good. So, Coach, was there anything different that you saw him really do uh, tonight, uh, other than see the ball go through the basket a little bit more, but anything positionally or or, or anything that stood out to you uh, about his game? Well, it's interesting because um, the ball went inside early, and, and I don't know, I, I believe that's by design, and got Juwan going early in the game and got in the flow. The most impressive thing for me, Andy, was not just the 11 rebounds, but how he went after them. Uh, very physical blockouts, two-handed rebounds, traffic rebounds, it, basically saying, I want this ball and I'm going to go get it now. And, and, and that um, we can always focus on offense and, and, and points, getting people going. But when that kind of effort shows up, uh, rebounding is a heart type of thing. And, boy, he showed a lot of heart, I thought, uh, rebounding the basketball. And that is, from a coaching standpoint, just fun to see especially if Indiana is going to continue with smaller lineups. Uh, the rebounding is going to be key to finish defensive possessions. And uh, the rebounding to me was probably the most impressive thing that Juwan did. But sometimes you got to get your guys going. And uh, we saw that in the second half of the last game uh, where Juwan was kind of sluggish and, and the first three possessions went inside. Well, against that matchup zone tonight, uh, the ball popped, the ball moved. And it got inside to both Justin and Juwan, got some touches early, and they just got into the flow. And I think that's why Juwan played a game that is is typical of what we expect. Yeah, I thought that at the beginning of both halves, they really made a concerted effort to get the ball inside. I think I had written down the first eight made field goals in the first half were all in the paint. And I think they ended up the first half with, I want to say, 26 or 28 points in the paint uh, out of the 40 that they had. And then even to start the second half, it was more of the same. The first five that they made were all layups or dunks. Uh, Al ended up hitting a three after that, but that was even off of a, a pass from Juwan, who was you know both feet in the paint when he made it. Fitzner got a hook shot after that. Jerron Davis had some nice plays right right thereafter. So uh, really, if you look at percentage of points scored in the paint at the beginning of each half, you could tell that was really uh, a focus for them. And part of that was against the zone. And I know somebody... Uh, sent a question as we were, uh, as I was, you know, tweeting during the game about this. But probably a good time as any to get your uh, your view on this before we take our first break. But uh, uh, you know, Montana State plays that matchup zone defensively. They had not, you know, they gave up 100 points in their first game. Uh, weren't particularly good defensively last year. But uh, a zone is is something that has given teams problems that don't see it very often. Uh, I will 
will not rehash other instances in the recent past when IU has had issues with the zone. But uh, what did you see IU really do well tonight strategically to be able to get so many easy baskets against a defense that's typically designed to prevent those kinds of looks? Yeah, you know, I think ball movement, uh, I, I wrote these things down as IU just shredded that zone to start start out. And a matchup zone is, is, a, is a zone, but you, you go with cutters until you can pass cutters off. It's a little different than just the regular 2-3 zone where it's an area concept more than uh, guard your man in the area. So a lot of coaches run man-to-man stuff against matchup, and that's what they believe in order to beat a matchup. And, and basically um, – there's a high-low action, trying to get the ball on the baseline, trying to get the ball in the middle of the zone. Uh, they ran a wing through to to take defensive people out of position and have to recover and talk and switch, and, and the ball moved. And, and so I wrote ball movement, paint touches, and Romeo Langford passing. You know, there's a lot that we expect of Romeo, but he made some really nice entry passes early in the game. I think one over the top was really nice. And uh, that, those are the things that I like as a coach. Romeo gets a deflection late in the game. Well, you can talk about that later if we want to talk about Romeo after he makes a three. Uh, there are players that can do a lot of things on the floor. Romeo's one of them. And, and he didn't score a lot of points, 12 points versus 19, but he was very efficient. But he got the game going. Uh, I thought the guard play early passing the ball uh, and moving uh, – was excellent, and it just shows that uh, the the coaching staff has an idea how to attack zones and, and how to teach people how to attack zones, and the players then executed. Uh, but it's player movement, ball movement, and paint touches. And if you do that, you distort a lot of zones and, and can find uh, advantages. And then the kick-out threes, threes become easier when you go inside out. Uh, and and um, we're still struggling from three, I think, uh, as a team overall. But um, – yeah, that was that was outstanding play against the zone early. Yeah, I thought another guy who who made a couple really nice plays in the middle of the zone was Evan Fitzner when he came in. He hit a a jumper just inside the the free throw line, uh, made some other nice plays in there. Another you know efficient performance from him was three of four from the field, had six points, uh, three rebounds, and an assist. And I thought you know just another guy as you as you really look at how this team can attack a zone and and you know, what he does for them offensively and being able to have a big guy that you can rotate in those kinds of scenarios, I thought was just another, uh, another weapon, another, another way to attack zone defenses, which I'm sure IU is going to see uh, from time to time over the course of the season. I thought he played really well uh, in that role at the beginning of the game as well and, uh, and made a couple of nice baskets right around that same, uh, right around that same run that uh, I mentioned with Justin Smith. So, so coming up, uh, we're going to continue our breakdown of Indiana's performance tonight. Uh, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, which Coach actually alluded to one of the things I wanted to talk to there just a second ago. And then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's performance against Montana State, where the Hoosiers won 80-35 to tonight in a game that they controlled pretty much from the opening tip. And so it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And uh, as much as it pains me a little bit, this is actually a moment that was not missed by uh, Stephen Barta, who who uh, was on the call for the Big Ten Network and uh, had you know the usual array of kind of head-scratching comments at times. However, to give him credit and prove that I'm not a completely cynical person about him, uh, he did mention one, and, and Coach actually mentioned this a minute ago. You know, Romeo uh, made a really nice play, I think had a dunk or, or scored off an inbounds play 
early in the second half. He ran back down and deflected the ball out of bounds as Montana State brought it up. And I thought that, you know, the other couple other moments that I had written down similar to that earlier were there was a couple sequences in the first half where Demise Anderson was really trying to play hard defensively. And I know it, it seems odd to call out a moment where a guy's really trying to play hard, but I would point out that one, Demisi is a guy who, by his own admission, is saying he's, you know, there's some parts of the adjustment to the college game that he's struggling with. Uh, also, a guy who, if you look at his history as a scorer, is probably not somebody who has been asked to be really a, a, a lock, not even a lockdown, but a really hard nosed defensive player. And you really saw him making an effort. He, he kind of led a guy into a situation where I think Devontae Green actually knocked the ball off the guy's leg and got really excited about having made a good defensive play. He really seems to be you know, taking pride in that. And he got to play a lot uh, in the first half and, and really in the game in particular. I'm not sure uh, if anything's come out has come out about Zach McRoberts, but I know Zach Osterman said that he didn't warm up uh, to start the second half and really only played, I think, about seven minutes. So that gave Demisi some extra time. But I really was excited to see him uh, focused in so much on the defensive end and really trying to show, you know, improvement and do the things that the coaches want him to do. We've talked before about Romeo's, uh, you know, ability on the defensive end, which is, you know, not a, a, one of the parts of his game that has been uh, applauded in the way that he can score. Rob Finnessy, we've talked about as well. And so I think you see a lot of good things from these guys defensively. And that to me says they're buying into Archie Miller's system. You know that that's their road to playing time is by playing well on the defensive end. And uh, I just thought in some little moments there in a game that really was not you know, for a long period of time, wasn't that close. I felt like the defensive effort, uh, particularly from those guys, really uh, was was consistent, and that's uh, that's what you want to see. I think a positive sign uh, for their development. Coach, any any thoughts on those or or other moments that you might have missed there that, yeah. that people might have missed? The thing that was impressive, Archie was not happy with the defensive intensity and focus in the second half of the first game, and, and there was a long stretch from I think it was. I have down here, it was 22-12 at the 12-minute timeout. And, and then it went to, you know, they, they had they only scored like 13 or 14 points all the way through, midway through the second half. And, and I don't care who you're playing, that, that's, that was a big plus from game one to game two. Obviously was an emphasis in the locker room. Uh, a couple things that, that maybe some people missed. Um, I'll talk about one that, that was not good. Sometimes when you take a bad shot, it hurts your defensive uh, floor balance. And, and there was one where I thought Finnessy took a contested, not an open three. I think it might have been his only missed three. But it was on the left wing, and Devontae was in the game, and no one got back. So I don't know if that was Devontae's responsibility. A lot of times when someone shoots, it's someone else's responsibility to get back. But a lot of times it's the point guard's responsibility to, come to, to get back. And if you take a bad shot, no one's expecting – uh, they may not cover for you, and that led to a wide-open layup uh, for Montana State. That's something that we track. Um, you know, when our, our get-back guy on transition defense shoots, there has to be an expectation that that person is going to take a shot. That's something. The other thing that I wrote down that was a positive that goes to your defensive comment, Andy, was the shot contesting tonight I thought was really, really solid and consistent. Very uh, rarely was there an open shot. If it was, it's more just from technique of uh, a missed uh, rotation or someone uh, unfortunately getting open. But it, it, the closeouts, I thought, were, were sharp. A lot of guys are going up through uh, the face of shooters and at least trying to have some sort of distraction. And I just think that, to me, seemed a lot better 
than at this point, obviously last year, but, but even maybe later in, in the season. And I wrote down, you know, shot contesting was really, 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 I thought outstanding. And then again, that's a zero talent uh, thing we, we talk about in our program. It takes zero talent to contest shots. It takes zero talent to dive on the floor. It takes zero talent to set good screens. Um, if, if everyone does their zero talent things on the court, that's going to elevate. And it really, I think Indiana's doing a lot of those things. And you, you mentioned buying into the system defensively. And the one last thing defensively is the gap. The whole pack line is supposed to be gap protected. And you're seeing really good gap rotations where a player might look like he has an edge and that guy stunts. He takes a step towards the ball handler and then recovers back to his man. And that's how the pack line does not give up threes. If you overcommit and take one or two steps or turn your face to the ball when you're helping a driver and then it's hard to get back and then it forces rotations on the weak side. I thought our guards, especially in the first half, were really stunting and getting back forcing that ball handler to alter his course, pick up the ball. And so those are some things that uh, I was looking for for the pack line, the shot contest, the gap uh, control defense, the stunts that uh, I thought are headed in the right direction. Again, got to knock on wood. That's the first two games against opponents that might not be as quick and as good as as the uh, teams that we're going to see in the next few games. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at a lot of these numbers defensively, you know, Montana State was three of 26 from three-point range. That certainly speaks to what you said. Now, you know, it's certainly part of it was not all of those were great shots. Uh, some of it is a talent gap, but but you don't get to be three of 26. You don't get to a point where, uh, you know, you, you know, a team shoots, you know, 25% uh, from the floor, I believe, in the game, 25.5% from the floor. Uh, IU forced 25 turnovers. I mean, those are you you can say what you want about the competition but i think all the little things that you talked about and and some of those things uh really speak to how how impressive the defensive performance tonight was no matter who the competition was and wasn't this a team that took care of the basketball traditionally in the past yeah that was one of the things um i think when we talked on the the radio show last night was you know they had the last couple of years had a really low turnover rate i think had taken pretty good care of it in the first uh you know, in their first game of the season and had, you know, veteran guys back, their guards are some of their better players. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that I, I think that was the one thing, you know, when, when we asked a question last night of what's the one thing that you really want to see for me, it was a continuation of, you know, forcing turnovers, getting easy baskets off of those. IU had 28 points off of those 25 turnovers. So not a great ratio in that regard. Um, but 25 turnovers is really impressive no matter who you're playing. And again, some of those are probably unforced, you know, silly, silly errors, but a lot of those were forced by, you know, good ball pressure, really making, making Montana State think about everything that they were doing defensively. And so um, I don't have what the turnover rate ended up being for them uh, in front of me. I'll try to find it here. It was uh, high for sure. Uh, 35.2 uh, yeah. according to this. So that's, uh, you know, that's impressive. That points per possession number that you gave is impressive, no matter, no matter the competition. Uh, in under under 0.5 is incredible. Um, yeah. And then to only allow 10 foul shots, too. I thought we mentioned that uh, they had ability to get to the foul line, uh, maybe in the preview. Yeah, they, they took a lot of free throws in their first game. I remember looking at the box score. So uh, my memory, even though I'm busy with teaching and coaching now, <laughs> I thought I heard that somewhere. But to play defense without fouling, and we, we talked specifically about Rob Finnessy getting in early foul trouble. We can't have Jawan Morgan getting foul trouble because normally they sit big minutes. Solid defense without fouling is – is quality uh, defensive play 
And so, yes, you got to take into effect the opponents. But then again, good play is good play. Uh, a 21-point win, um, this wasn't. This was a total total domination because of, of some solid play. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, breaking down Indiana's Friday night game against Montana State that the Hoosiers won 80-35. to So now it's time to go inside the numbers. We actually you know, did this a little bit when we started talking through some of the, uh, some of the defensive numbers, but I thought it, it fit well with, uh, with what we were talking about. So the one, you know, the one number, we might as well get this out of the way. If, if anybody's going to nitpick this performance in terms of what, what IU did not do well, uh, it would go back to our old friends, three-point shooting and free-throw shooting, uh, where IU was 6 of 21 from three. Um, f- we're actually 4 of 10 in the second half, so that improved. Um, I think they might have only missed four or maybe five two-point shots in the entire first half, and, and and I thought settled for a few late in the half. And then 10 of 19 from the free-throw line, again, just 52.6%. So uh, we might as well – I might as well get your thoughts on those now. We can move. We can move back after this to talking about the positives, but if there were any negatives tonight, uh, that would be it for me. Uh, I think sometimes statistics are telling, and then sometimes statistics um, are skewed. Uh, the big, the big lead at the four-minute mark, thirty-six to thirteen, and I think the timeout was like at three fifty-three, and I think there were five missed threes in the last three fifty-three. So that's either fatigue. That's either guys, hey. Uh, we moved the ball for 16 minutes, and now I'm going to try to launch one and get one. I thought shot selection was very, very poor, especially with the three-point shot in those last uh, 353, uh, the last 353 of the first half. Uh, Indiana was, um, I think, two for 11 in the first half. So if you if it's five, and I didn't keep track, but if it's five, they were two of six, not great, but 33% is acceptable. In the second half, they were four of 10. So, so you're six of 16, which makes three-point shooting looking better. So it's more, to me, a shot selection than the ability to shoot the three. Uh, and, and so, you know, you have to have the right players shooting them. You have to be in the rhythm, inside out, whatever Archie uh, designs, uh, who can take it and how they can take it. But I really thought there was a lot of settling going on. I think even Bardo made a good comment for a change and said something like that as well. But I was writing it down, and I'm like, guys, quit, quit settling. We were moving the ball, reversing the ball, going inside, going out. out. We had tremendous points in the paint. Do what's working against the opponent at that time. Uh, there will be other games where the three-point shot's going to be necessary. But I thought shot selection was really poor there. Free-throw shooting is, is free-throw shooting. Uh, you know, it's going to either, either going to come around or it's not going to come around. Uh, but, it, we, yeah, 52% is bad. Uh, we need Ryan to fly in and, and give a seminar for the day on, on the shot doctor uh, to get that um, to get that fixed. But yeah, the shooting um, I, I think will be okay once uh, the offense the offense really didn't flow either tonight in, in eighty points. I put down that it was poor transition offense in the first half. I thought Indiana wasn't pushing, and you need to get some easy buckets and maybe even some easy inside out threes uh, in transition. I thought transition was a lot better in the second half. Um, but other than that first six, seven minutes where the offense really pop, 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 I think it got a little stagnant at times. And, and, and that's just been what, uh, has been kind of ailing this team at the beginning of the season and something that's going to have to mesh, uh, as the season goes on. 
Yeah, the other couple numbers that uh, stood out for me, one was points in the paint. We touched on that, about how important those were to begin each half. IU had 48 of their 80 points in the paint, um, which is is an, obviously an impressive total. Uh, they had um, they had 22 assists on 32 made field goals. It was, I think, 12. I wrote down 12 assists on 17 made field goals in the first half, so really good. Uh, a really good ratio there in in both halves, and, and the turnover number for IU, you, you know, this is again, you're going to look back and you say they had 14 turnovers for the game, but they had four in the in the first half, and I think for the majority of the second half, took good care of the ball. I'd be curious to know how many of those. Well, they had three in the last three minutes. Um, things got a little bit ragged, probably the last I'd say six or seven minutes, um, and so I think a number of those turnovers came in that scenario. But I felt like when it really mattered. Um, they did a good job of taking care of the basketball and really the, the assist numbers speak to the ball movement that you talked about, uh, that was there at the beginning, uh, you know, of the first half and, and played well there. We talked about the turnovers forcing 25 and getting 28 points off of that again, for a team that continues to struggle shooting the ball, uh, particularly from the outside to be able to try to get some easy baskets and transition, uh, was important. Um, so those were those were the other couple numbers that really stood out for me from a, a team perspective. Anything else as you look down, uh, look down the stat sheet that uh, stood out to you? Uh, again, ten steals. Uh, and again, I, I'm not so sure if that's a great number or a good number. But again, getting deflections and getting some uh, transition off of your defense is nice. Uh, I, I like the rebounding. You know, in the turnovers, there was a couple, like three charges, and then, a, you know, Jager falls down on a rebound when he got fouled. So I, I thought uh, our, our taking care of the ball, at one point I looked up and we had three with like a minute to go in the, in the first half. And uh, th- this team is doing a much better job than teams in the past of taking care of the basketball. So, no, that's um, – I, I thought of statistically and from a, a point of play, it was a good night. And it's always a good night when you feel you have a lot of things to work on uh, <laughs> and, and you win, you know, 80 to 35. Yeah, I would agree. The other thing that I wrote down, talked about this a little bit, uh, Montana State had 12 points over the first seven minutes and 47 seconds, but that means IU gave up just 23 points over the last 32 minutes and change. So, um, you know, again, talk about the the defense, and that was really something that was steady, uh, steady throughout. So a positive thing and certainly a good thing heading into a game uh, on Wednesday against a team much more accomplished and dangerous offensively in, in Marquette, but a, uh, a positive uh, for certain going into that. And, and again, a lot of little things contributing to that. So uh, good things all around there. So coming up on the assembly call, we'll continue to break down IU's game against Montana State. Uh, we'll talk through a few more individual performances. We haven't touched on a number of guys really outside of, uh, of Juwan to this point. So we'll talk about uh, what's going on at the point guard spot tonight and our thoughts on that. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, that's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 80 to 35 victory against Montana state. And, and coach, we haven't really talked a whole lot about individuals. Uh, we did talk about Juwan Morgan and I think, uh, and, and a bit about Justin Smith. Uh, let's, let's hit the point guards because I think, you know, tonight probably, <laughs> I think if you, uh, you could probably reaffirm what you, what people may have thought about it. So Rob Finnessy comes out, he scores 12 points, uh, is, you know, makes half of IU's three pointers was three of four on the night from three point range was, uh, you know, one of two 
on twos, made his only free throw attempt, which uh, makes him a hero in, in my eyes, given the rest of free throw shooting. Uh, one rebound, just one assist, though, uh, but only one turnover in 26 minutes. So I thought another solid game from him. Uh, Devontae Green came off the bench again, scored two points, did lead the team uh, with five assists, but also had three turnovers, uh, added four rebounds, made his only two points uh, at the free throw line. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on the the radio show last night talking about how these guys might be a better fit playing together, uh, whose kind of skill set may fit better at the point. Uh, what what did tonight's game do, if anything, to change your opinion about that or to reinforce your the opinion that you already had? Uh I, it, it's it's my opinion that Rob Finnessy is going to be an excellent college point guard. Uh, a little surprised that he's been given the reins this early, even with the Devontae injury. Uh, but just the just the way he plays, and, and you know, there was a question I think last night about uh, can Finnessy hit shots. I thought he was, you know, when it, when he was open and his feet were set, he, he knocked down three uh, shots tonight. So. I think the team just moves a little bit better when, when he's running the point. Um, but you got to give Devontae credit. Five assists tonight show that he's capable of getting the ball uh, to people to score. His three turnovers and a couple shots are, are still a little bit of the Devontae issues that, that, that creep up a, a little too fast, a little too, too much uh, at times, uh, you know, zigging when you should be zagging type stuff. But, Sometimes you don't want to cut that off uh, from, from a player like that either. I thought the key thing for the Devontae fans out there, and I wrote this down, was we need to see a lot of that lob action to Langford. That's great vision. Uh, and Devontae saw that there was a, a direction to the left or to the right. I forget what direction the initial action went. But then he, he made eye contact with Langford on the baseline and threw it up for, for a basket. At that time, I think that was his fourth assist. He went on to get another uh, assist later in the game. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of hope that Devontae is starting to do things uh, more of a point guard look. I thought he – I thought in the first half he really was composed, Andy. I, I thought he wasn't really trying too hard. I thought his defense was solid. So he he's feeling the heat a little bit with competition, and it's friendly heat. It's not uh, uh, Rob versus him. And if both of them can elevate the play, that is only going to help Indiana. So I thought Devontae's game was was okay and maybe better than okay today. I I, I personally, um, and I know the point guard is changing with scoring and shooting from the point guard and pros in college. Uh, as a coach, I like I like that distributor, um, but that's probably just a personal thing. So nothing really changed uh, my mind other than I feel a little more comfortable with Devontae's play with the five assists. Uh, and, and the way he played in the first half. Yeah, I thought the assists and, and some of the vision that you talked about was really was really the positive for him. I thought his shot selection was not great, and the ones that he did take, um, you know, took a couple threes that you know to me were ones that he could he could kind of take any time. It's funny I'm looking at some of the the uh, you know press conference comments from Archie. Uh, we don't aspire to take a ton of threes. That's not this team's niche. I think everybody uh, is probably on board with that. While understanding that you know they're going to need to take some and be able to uh, you know prove uh, you know prove some things there. But uh, yeah, I thought he played better in certain aspects of the game. Um, but but to me, fantasy continues to be the you know the steady hand. 
that you think he's going to want. And, and as we said last night, it'll be more interesting to see what it does when the level of competition ratchets up when, you know, these guys are taking on Marcus Howard uh, against Marquette. So, uh, you know, still to be determined, but I, I don't think Finnessy's done anything. And clearly at this point, you know, I don't think there's been anything that he's done that is going to take him out of the starting lineup. Whether he does something eventually that takes him out of it will will remain to be seen. But I think for now, uh, that seems to uh, you know to to be you know where he's going to going to start, and we'll you know kind of monitor as we go how how much those guys are going to play together. Uh, on the on the injury front, I guess a few few notes here. Too many notes uh, in this regard, quite honestly. Um, so on the positive side, Jerron Davis, uh, just kind of reading through some of the, the post-game press conference, says his Achilles feels 100% right now. Uh, Archie talked about Jerome Hunter is on a to-be-determined basis. will be out for a significant stretch here. Uh, that's a quote that uh, Zach Osterman put out there. It describes it as a leg injury, not something for practice, something underlying, Archie says. So, uh, you know, he may be out for for a while, and Zach McRoberts missed the second half with back tightness. Uh, has been an ongoing thing recently, it says, and they ruled him out for the second half. Certainly, I think the the spread of the game and, and how much in control IU was had a lot to do with that. So, uh, a few injuries, but a couple guys who did come back from injury tonight were Al Durham uh, and Race Thompson. Al played, you know, quite a bit more. Got a couple early fouls, so didn't play much in the first half, but uh, ended up playing 15 minutes. Had five points, a couple rebounds, a couple assists. Uh, and race did get his first basket uh, as a Hoosier and played four minutes later. Uh, anything stand out to you, Coach, about seeing those guys finally get back? Uh, I think Al in particular is probably the the one that people have more questions about just from a, a backcourt depth standpoint, particularly if uh, it sounds like Jerome Hunter is going to miss uh, some additional time. I, I was happy with Al tonight. I, I thought he was aggressive and, and uh, offensively. He, he took um, some transition drives to the hoop, uh, he charged the one time, but you know that's that's an aggressive turnover when when you're out on the break. I I don't mind those. I, I thought he looked for a shot. That there might have been a shot or two where you know he hadn't been in game action for a while. Maybe that he won't take down the road. But from what I've heard, that they really want L to be a defensive stopper, and if he's going to come off the bench to come in and lock down on some players, or if someone's not guarding in in the first unit, and what. What we get from him offensively is going to be a bonus. He got five five points tonight. He's got to get back in a little bit of game rhythm as well. But his confidence, it seemed like he was a really confident player tonight on the floor. And uh, I, I thought he, he stood out a little bit to me, again, as, as being a positive. Um, race, it was just nice to see what he looks like in, in a uniform. I was happy for him to get two points. He's He's got to get back into game rhythm too there are a couple times I thought defensively where he got caught watching the action uh, and he recovered on those things but um, yeah the injuries have slowed down some of the progress of the team and of the individuals and now we're heading into a a stretch of games here soon that it's going to be hard to get back in that rhythm but I think in limited minutes two or three minutes if needed for foul trouble or or something those guys are going to be back and, and ready, and hopefully McRoberts can uh, to work out his issue as well because he, he, he's just a big part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so two other guys I wanted to hit on briefly. Uh, one is Romeo. I'm not going to save him for last. We keep vowing that we're not going to do this and take some of these guys for granted. So uh, I thought another you know steady performance from him. He ended up with 12 points, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, made all four of his uh, two-point shots was one of four from three-point range. Uh, and was just one of three from the from the free throw line. Only played 23 minutes. I think it's a good thing. You look down uh, the box score. Fennessey was the one who played the most at 26, but uh, otherwise 
you know, nobody else played more than 23. So uh, a good chance to get a lot of guys playing time. Uh, anything stand out to you from uh, Romeo's performance tonight? I, I think I mentioned it earlier, the passing. Um, to be a five-star athlete, heavily recruited, to come in and everyone's singing his praises and wants to see uh, what he can do, it really looks like he's here to play for Indiana. And we've talked about that ever since I've been watching you guys on the show. Um, you know, the, the thought of, are you playing for Indiana or you did you come to Indiana for other reasons and then learn to like it or whatever without pointing fingers here, here's a guy who could go out and get 30 if he just took the ball isolated and went and played, but he's doing, he's diving on the floor in games. He's rebounding. Uh, his passing tonight at the start of the game was caught my eye. And, and that's just nice to see from, from your star because there's going to be times when you're going to give it to him and say, hey, we need a bucket. Let's go get it. Uh, and the same with Juwan. But that's the little things, Andy, that really mean a lot to me as, as a fan and as a coach. When your best player does a lot of things, that just lifts the program. If your best player is one-dimensional and it's offense only, uh, that's – you can deal with that, and, and that's a good problem to have, but it's not as ideal. And, and, and Romeo, we just need to cherish every time we get a chance to watch, whether it's 12 points, 19 points, he'll break out for a 30-point. Um, I think the young man likes to play basketball. I think he's an Indiana type of player, high school, college type of kid. And tonight's performance was that. Tonight's the night he could have gone off um, if he was selfish. And I just see a ton of unselfishness from him that you sometimes don't see in these other one and done type players. Yeah, I would agree. I didn't think he really forced anything, kind of took what, uh, took what the defense gave him and, and went from there. The other guy uh, was Deron Davis. He ended up with eight points, uh, may, was two of two from the free throw line, which may have been, uh, you know, from the, from a free throw shooting standpoint, that was about as bright a spot as you can have. Um, but he was three of five from the floor, had four rebounds, had a couple blocks, I believe, maybe even had three. Um, you know, I continue to be, he only played 11 minutes. I think they're still being relatively cautious with him, but I will say that, um, you know, we've talked about this lately. I think they've gotten more from him already than I expected them to get at this point. Uh, and he continues to look healthy. And I think those minutes will continue to ramp up over time, but if they can get a good, you know, 10, 12 minutes out of him for right now, uh, doing what he's doing and really impacting things, uh, on both ends of the floor, you know, you know, being being a threat in the paint on the offensive end and, and protecting the rim on the other, uh, that's such a positive thing. And I think, you know, of all the injuries that may not have gone IU's way, his recovery uh, feels like he's a lot further along than I certainly did, and I think a lot of fans did as well. I'm right with you there. Um, I, I was even thinking a possible red shirt uh, if it stretched into January before he started playing. And I haven't been the biggest fan, and, and I'm starting to turn that, uh, that idea around a little bit. I, I thought in the first half he was a little bit out of sorts, and you're going to have that as he plays his way into basketball shape. I thought he had two really weak post moves. I wrote it down. He got caught under the basket twice. In the second half, he was very, very active. I thought he made a quick move and got fouled, hit his free throws, uh, if I remember right. He had a nice uh, – spin baseline up and under hook shot it looked a little awkward but that's a pretty good move and again those little things that I look for as a coach he was active uh walling up without uh he fouled I think uh, a couple times but he got a lot of deflections uh blocks at the rim and his pursuit of offensive rebounds um 
it just shows me that uh, I think Duran has heart that I, I had forgotten about, and, and maybe I doubted um, because he's a bigger traditional five, and, and, and I'm more of a spread-to-floor open, you know, um, lob five type of guy, shoot, stretch five type of guy as a coach. Uh, Duran's really pleased me with his play, and I thought the second half was really outstanding his minutes and boy I will look for his minutes to expand as he gets in shape because I think he's going to be uh, a load uh, to, to guard with with the other offensive players around him uh, but Duran is really quickly um, changing uh, what I think is a was a wrong impression uh, from from not having him out there last year and and that and I'll, I'll admit when 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 I think I'm wrong I, I think I was wrong with uh, with Duran but his second half was really great. I think his first half was just uh, a fatigue thing or, or getting back into basketball type of rhythm. Yeah, I agree. That's a, a tough injury to come back from, as we've talked about a lot over the course of the offseason, trying to project forward what he might be. So a lot of credit to him for working to get back and uh, certainly Cliff Marshall and all the other folks who've been working with him to, uh, to get him where he is right now and uh, only can expect more from him as the season goes along. So coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball take a quick look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. And then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 80 to 35 victory over Montana state. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. I'm Andy bottoms here with coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of IU's 80 to 35 victory over Montana state tonight. And so we're going to, Go with our game balls here. If we end up picking somebody different, we'll uh, we'll put the vote to the chat mob to decide. So Brian, I'll let you I'll let you man that if we need to get that far. But uh, who gets your game ball tonight uh, from this uh, game for IU? You know that there there was a lot of positives tonight, Andy, and but I think you have to go with Jawan Morgan uh, for for the performance on the glass and, and his overall activity level, and you got to go with Jawan Morgan for responding to Jared. Uh, and and his questioning uh, from the last game, uh, so you know a partial game ball to Jared, but mostly uh, a game ball to Jawan. I, I, just a great performance. I think we're going to end up giving game balls to Jawan quite a bit and back and forth between Romeo and, and Jawan. Jawan played like a man uh, that that we expect tonight. Very very pleased with his performance. Yeah, it was funny as I was uh, manning the assembly call Twitter account during the game. There were a couple people who I don't think knew that it was me. I think at some point I tweeted out that it was, but I think a couple people thought it was Jared, and they were firing a couple a uh, couple things in the mentions about about Juwan being motivated and asking if uh, Jared was still worried about him. So I'll let him address that on his own time. Uh, but I would assume his answer is no. Uh, I would, uh, yeah. To me, it was either Juwan or Justin Smith but I, I definitely would lean Juwan. Uh, I thought Justin was really important in that stretch that I mentioned earlier, but I really felt like Juwan set the tone uh, at the beginning of both halves. And, and I, I really liked what you said earlier about the way he was getting rebounds because it, was, it reminded me a lot of the way that he would go up and get rebounds last year where he was just battling, um, typically battling against bigger guys or certainly more, uh, I think, capable size on the roster at this point of the season uh, than was there as we got to the end of last season where it was pretty much Juwan and, and Freddie McSwain trying to, uh, you know, scrap to get as many rebounds as they could. And so to me, the way that he went after the ball was more reminiscent of what we saw last year. And, uh, and, and certainly that would bode well for IU. So first double-double of the season, I thought from a passing perspective, uh, he, was, he was really impactful as well. You talked about the ball movement, getting the ball in the middle of the zone and kicking it out. 
Uh, I thought he had a few nice plays in that regard and uh, just a solid all around game plus 33 in just 22 minutes. And uh, like we said, didn't miss a shot from the floor. So I think it's him tonight. Uh, a couple guys with some honorable mention there, but I think Juwan was a, a relatively easy one for me uh, to give the game ball to. So we will, uh, we'll mark that down for him and, and move on to the next one. So, uh, so we've got shows coming up uh, on on Monday uh, with the Banner Monday show. So that'll be mailbag. That'll be Big Ten Thoughts with uh, with Mike DeCourcy. We'll do the Basketball 201 uh, as they've done in an opponent preview, which will be uh, related to Marquette. And that is the game that is coming up, the, the really first big test for IU that's on the schedule. Uh, these next couple games will be important. Uh, Marquette on Wednesday and then at Arkansas. I don't know how the Arkansas-Texas game ended up, but I know Arkansas was giving them uh, a really tough game for the better part of it. Uh, not Texas a game that won. Texas won by two in okay. overtime. Yeah, one by two on a on a neutral floor. I believe that was at a, 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 a arm an army base or somewhere in Texas uh, on a neutral floor. So Texas is a team that I w- was not as high as many other people on, but certainly a team that was projected by just about everybody to be uh, a, a notch or two above Arkansas. So an interesting result there. Uh, and we'll be interested to see what Arkansas does next week. But Marquette is the next big one. And so I uh, wanted to talk just a little bit uh, about uh, about Marquette with you, Brian, because I think that's, again, a game that I think we'll expect a, a pretty big and, and raucous crowd for and in uh, a game that I think will tell us a lot about IU for as well as they played defensively tonight. Uh, Marquette will give them uh, a, a test, uh, you know, certainly that's on another level of, w- of what they had. Um, so I kind of I'll let you give your thoughts on them first. I know you you and the uh, the Delphi Bracketology folks have have certainly looked at them as you've done your preseason bracket and started looking at some things there. So what are you know a couple things that uh, that people should really pay attention to uh, coming up when they play against Marquette? Yeah, and, and I'm just going to talk in, in general terms and leave the specifics to all of you, all of those of you who do the previews, but. Marquette is an offensive team, and they're dangerous. They're dangerous from three. They can score some points. I think going into this year, a lot of people uh, would move Marquette up into the Big East, the top three or four of the Big East. Their only concern was, can they guard? And so that's. I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic on Wednesday night to see, really, I think IU is better defensively than they are offensively right now, but I think Indiana's very capable offensively and to see how Marquette is guarding this year as compared to what all the pundits said, uh, that they were somewhat suspect. And I don't have the stats or anything to, to back that up, points per possession last year for Marquette. But they're known as an offensive team uh, with, with limited defense, uh, maybe not quite like the Iowa team that we talk about all the time. But, um, you know, which side's going to win out? And, and it's Howard. I forget his first name. Is it Marcus? Yep. Uh, yep. Marcus Howard, the, the guard that just put up astronomical numbers, had a sidekick last year that also would put up some uh, solid numbers. And so that's going to be interesting to see how uh, the freshman guards are, are going to defend Howard, a guy who can uh, get to the rim, can shoot to three, really one of the top players on the schedule, on Indiana's schedule. And so that that to me is the key. What what I like is I just think when you're defensive-minded first, you're going to be in a ball game. And then it's in assembly hall. And then we have offense when we move the ball and have a variety of offensive threats against a team who's just maybe trying to get better defensively. I think that bodes well for Indiana. I think it puts Indiana in a position to win a game. Obviously, it's going to come down to who executes better. Uh, but I'm looking for a hard-fought victory, uh, maybe in an 8-10 to 10 point range as it settles. 
uh, and that'd be a, a really nice victory for bracket purposes and just for our sanity as well. <laughs> Absolutely, it would. Yeah. So a couple of the guys to watch for for Marquette. Marcus Howard, as we mentioned, is one uh, shot over forty percent from three last year. Was uh, made almost ninety four percent from the free throw line. Missed seven free throws the entire season. One hundred five for one twelve. Uh, just a really talented shooter. Uh, the other guy who was in the backcourt with him last year was Andrew Rousey, and there have been some. I think it was the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give them credit. Maybe it wasn't the guys at the three man weave um, wrote a preview and they talked about how Marquette's defensive numbers were, uh, you know, pretty ugly overall. They finished dead last in in Big East play in defensive efficiency. But they talked about when Rousey wasn't on the court that he, you know, kind of suggesting that he was, you know, a big part of their struggles defensively. Um, which I think is probably fair. So we'll be interested to see if they if they do better. Uh, they held UMBC uh, to a pretty low total in their first game, but uh, again, that's that's the only game they played to this point. Sam Hauser's another you know six eight guy who can really stretch the floor. Shot uh, almost forty nine percent from three. So just in total, they were the third ranked three point shooting team in the country uh, last year. But they they really struggled on the defensive end, and so you know it's it's just kind of a question of. You know, Marquette's certainly better offensively than defensively. I'd put IU in the other category where they're better defensively than offensively, and it's just kind of which uh, which team's strength is 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 better, or maybe which team's weakness is better. Quite honestly, and we'll uh, we'll kind of figure it out from there. But uh, but it should be a really good test and one that uh, that I'm looking forward to. I'm sure all IU fans are as well. After uh, always nice to get some you know kind of cupcake type victories, but uh, but ready to really see what this team's made of, and I think will provide a good test. Uh, particularly at the point guard spot, and particularly for how well IU's played defensively so far. Uh, we'll just see if they can keep it up against a, a, a team with a lot more firepower. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, and remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com, and if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. On both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, it's time for last call to uh, to wrap things up here. So, Coach, I'll kick it to you first for your final thoughts on this 45-point victory for the Hoosiers on this uh, this fine Friday evening. I just think you're seeing progress in the Indiana basketball program. It's nice to have wins against these types of teams. And, and Montana State's supposed to be in the upper half of their conference, and the conference has been rated better. Uh, that conference has been a little bit more competitive. So it, you're learning lessons, and yet the margins are, are more typical of a blue blood program. And, and then it just has to get done uh, on, on Wednesday night uh, against a good opponent at home. But it's just nice, it's nice to see this type of effort, this type of score, this type of result, and we can sit here and say they need to be better in transition, they need to be better shooters, and they need to be doing these things, where in the past uh, the, some of the post-game shows have gotten to be, uh, you know, uh, tough. It's just time for Indiana basketball to get consistent in, in their play. Uh, and and uh, there will be some losses, but th I think these first two games, Andy, and tonight's performance show that uh, there has been vast improvement even from last year, uh, but in the last uh, few years. And um, even though um, – we want to win Wednesday night. It's not a must win yet. <laughs> Save that for February and March. But it's just good to see some good basketball uh, being played uh, once again. 
Yep, I would definitely agree. Uh, I think you know, trying to put the defensive performance in perspective, uh, Zach Osterman tweeted this out as well that they believe that it's the lowest opponent point total since Notre Dame in the early 1970s. I think they were trying to talk about it on the broadcast. I think they held Notre Dame to 29 points at one point, and I believe the second lowest since then, or the lowest recently, I believe I said was 40 points against the Western Illinois team uh, some number of years ago. So, uh, no matter how you slice it, a, a really strong defensive performance from start to finish. And I think in a game that it would have been pretty easy to, uh, to really take their foot off the gas. And I thought they continued to, to play well defensively. I think that's something that's going to make Archie Miller, uh, happy. Certainly, uh, you know, from a, you know, you can, you can look at the three point shooting and, uh, and, and maybe even the free throw shooting, but I thought the team did, you know, as Archie said, shooting threes is not their niche. And I, I thought for the most part, uh, short of that stretch toward the end of the first half, IU really, you know, played to its strengths and played through the uh, played through the post and got a lot of easy baskets inside, which is, uh, you know, something they're really going to want to do to test uh, Marquette to see if they really have improved defensively uh, and put pressure on those guys who, uh, you know, uh, throughout the game uh, and also be able to, to play, continue to play as well as, as IU has defensively over these first couple games. So, you know, to this point, it, it certainly feels like Archie's got a really good uh, handle on, on the pulse of this team. Talk pretty much from the get-go about the defense being ahead of the offense. And uh, I think we would all agree with that following the exhibition game in these first two. Uh, and and for a team that I think has a lot of room to grow uh, on the offensive end and probably on the defensive end as well as, as they, you know, kind of sort through the rotation and guys get healthy. Uh, I think that's a really positive sign because I think we're going to see as these new pieces figure out how to play uh, together better offensively. Uh, we'll see, you know, some even better performances on that end, but uh you know, hard to complain about too much in a 45-point win. That's two 40-plus-point victories so far. And uh, and holding a team to 35 points per g- in a game, no matter who the opponent is, is really impressive. So uh, hats off to the to the staff for getting these guys ready to play, and, and hats off to them for really executing well on the defensive end of the floor tonight. And uh, glad to see a glimpse of uh, of kind of last year's Juwan Morgan come back and, and some continued strong play from uh, from the freshman room, Romeo Lankford and Rob Finnessy, and, and another really solid game from Justin Smith and, and what was his best of the season. So uh, I think it's, uh, n- you know, really almost all positives here. So, so uh, a good way to end it and a good way to end our Friday night. So that'll do it uh, for this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Monday afternoon. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you.
Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.